I'm Erica. And I'm Jules. Most people have at least one thing that they can't or won't eat. Yeah, we're definitely like that. We started this podcast to talk about the gluten-free food industry. Like new products and some of the stories behind your favorite brands. And living life with a specialty diet and also some important healthcare topics. Since we're basically both broken inside. You had me at eat. I would ask what you did this weekend, Jules, but I know (laughs) that you had quite Mm. an exciting adventure in taking care of aging parents. So how did that go for you? Uh, A public service announcement here. (laughs) I have learned the hard way um, that anyone over the age of, let's say, 60 or 65 um, should... I now know if they fall and hit their head at any point in time, I have heard from the neurologists and the emergency room doctors, those people should always get a CT scan because the, um, their vessels are weakened and they are more prone to brain bleeds. So we had that experience this weekend with my very dear father and uh, had an emergency situation that I had to fly down to Florida to um, be with him when he had emergency brain surgery. He's very, very fit, very active, wonderful. Like they couldn't believe his resting heart rate was so low and they, they thought he was you know, in, in trouble. And he was just sitting there and he's like, no, my resting heart rate's so low because he's so active. And he had been running three months ago and he fell and hit his head and thought nothing of it. And turns out his brain has been having a slow brain brain bleed for the last three months. Isn't that crazy? So he, um, he experienced some weird symptoms, um, on Friday and they rushed him to the hospital in Florida. And I rushed down there as fast as I could get myself down there on Friday. And (laughs) you probably saw my reel where I was stuck in Pittsburgh purgatory for hours and hours and hours due to all of the plane delays and Oh, it was kind of nightmarish. I, I yeah, I got imagine. there at 4.30 in the morning. It was miserable. And um, everything in, in the Pittsburgh airport closes at 8, 8 p.m. I, I don't understand that at all. And I was stuck there from a little before 8 p.m. to almost 1 a.m. And then I got to his apartment at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, dealt with that ever since. So but thank God he is fine now. Yeah, you know, I mean. Yeah. We're, you know, obviously we have to watch closely and he has to go back for a follow-up CT scans and yeah, as fine get the as you staples be, out of his head. <laughs> yeah. As fine as you can be with staples in your head, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I, I said, it's good that it's happening near Halloween because he looks, you know, his head looks like he's been, and he's ready for the horror stories that, you know, he could be in a haunted house or he could be sitting on someone's front porch handing out candy and go boo. And everyone would be like, ah, <laughs> Looking for the silver linings. I know. We yeah. like yeah. It's Not been an, only... it's been a wild ride. I'm a little I'm a little tired, so you're gonna bear with me today on the podcast. But not only did Jules have to like fly, obviously that's tr- super traumatic. And when you go to an airport that first of all doesn't have great GF options, which is Pittsburgh, but also when everything closes at 8 p.m., which is actually fairly common now, especially uh, with COVID and staffing shortages, a lot of these airplane clo- 
airplane places like in the actual airport. Yeah. Um, they close super early and they open late. You know, I tend to travel super early in the morning, nothing's open. So you really got to pack all your snacks with Jules. She did obviously, but there's just like nothing available. So that's already terrible, but then to have to then go to a hospital and hang out in a hospital. And we all know that hospitals aren't necessarily the friendliest places for gluten-free, which is such an oxymoron, but Jules, I know that you had such a terrible time there. So, um, yeah, yeah, tell, tell our, our listeners (laughs) about how awful it is to stay in a hospital and visit a hospital with nearly no gluten-free options. Um, I, I like to think of myself as an optimist and I guess I just have been blissfully going along thinking, well, the last time I was in the hospital or spent any significant length of time at a hospital visiting someone was thankfully a while ago and things must have gotten better, right? Like just must have gotten better because it was so horrible back then and they just haven't gotten better. <laughs> like, what are they doing? This is a hospital. They have people there who their jobs are to help people, i.e. patients, um, to heal and get well. And, and we know how important nutrition is in that, you know, three-legged stool of, um, of that healing process. And, uh, it's, they, I mean, the, the patient food is, is terrible. And, um, the visitor food was just as bad. And, and I, I spoke to the nurses, the staff there, and they were like, Oh, the cafeteria food's terrible, you know, whatever. And this isn't even for food allergies. They were just saying, Oh, it's all fried. It's all terrible. Like, what are they thinking? Like, you know, I just don't, I don't get it. it. Why is there such a dearth of, um, healthy options, for people, not just for the visitors, but for the patients. And, and why is there nothing there for people who have dietary restrictions? Um, it, it just is beyond me. So I, I went into the cafeteria and mind you, the, the staff, the doctors, the top notch, I have absolutely no complaints about the healthcare it, we are just talking about the food. And so therefore we're talking about the dietitians and nutritionists on staff and the choices that they made with mm-hmm. the, um, with the, the meals that were, that were offered there in the food. So, um, I, I went into the cafeteria and I, and I did a little video just trying to point out like what is even offered here for someone who has, um, a dietary restriction of gluten-free. And I also was looking for vegetarian options as well. I mean, <laughs> might as well just walk right out of the door because there was just nothing there. And, uh, it was very, very sad from that perspective, but also very sad just looking around to say, what if a person with no dietary restrictions wanted a healthy meal, healthy, you know, you could eat whatever you wanted, but you didn't want um, you know, pork belly and fries, you know, (laughs) like what if that might be what you wanted so that you didn't come back in the next week with a a heart attack? Like maybe that's the whole idea. They're just trying to like feed the system. Maybe, oh my God, it's all coming clear to me now. (laughs) It's It's like recidivism rate, right? You're like, Oh, I I finally figured it out, Erica. Oh my God. Why is this? I'm, I'm dense. I don't know why this didn't occur to me earlier, but then the other thing is, is that um, as a patient, 
they they offered just the worst food. I mean, it was like, you know, Brunswick stew and some, some you know, gelatinous, I, I don't even know, like just gross kind of, every, everything was just so bad for you. So, so bad for you. And you're the patient. Why are they doing this? I, I don't, I don't get it at all. I mean, this poor person is just lying there you know, victimized by the, by the nutritionists on staff. And um, I looked at the, the options too, because they had this brochure that you could, you don't like what we're offering. You can pick something else. Nice. Perfect. Okay. I'm looking in there. And the only other thing that was on there is that if you have a faith-based dietary restriction, please call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Faith-based. Okay. Well, that's good. Did they not contemplate that someone might have, I don't know, a medically necessary you know, dietary restriction? Yeah. Like nothing else. And if and it's the, halal and, or kosher, they may have options. But unfortunately, if you're like, yeah. I have celiac disease, so like, oh, oh SOL. let me see <laughs> what we can do. And I'm like, that's not very not going to work out for you. Yeah. No, sorry. Well, and it, and it, it sort of made me feel like sort of PTSD from my last C-section when I, my first C-section was emergency. Got it. They did not know I was coming, but the second one, I had a scheduled C-section and I said, Hey, coming in on this date. These are my dietary restrictions. They had full notice, <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> and, uh, I, I came in, I had the C-section And the first meal that they brought to me was a plain baked potato on a plate, nothing else around it whatsoever. Nothing, 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 plain baked potato and a wheat roll. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So dear listeners, if you don't know, like dietitians are part of a hospital system, right? They're supposed to work with the hospitals. Dietitians are like superheroes. They're my favorite. I don't understand what is missing in the chain of command that dietitians cannot be a part of not only the, the menu for, for patients that have like heart disease, low sodium, whatever, but also dietary restrictions. Like this is, I know you're not operating in a restaurant. You're not like, oh, can I get that on the side? Like, that's not what we're asking. We're asking for medically necessary diets, kosher halal, and then low FODMAP, low whatever that, that makes sense for whoever you're treating. Like that's what a dietitian can do. So at what point is a hospital holding up what a dietitian can do for their patients? And also, I don't know, how about looking at the menu items in hospital cafeterias? That's just, just it, like, I don't know a, why it's so hard. Give it a look. See, I, I don't mean, know why it's so hard. Tweak it a little. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing that occurred to me as I'm sitting there for 10, 12 hours a day in the ICU with nothing else to do. Um, I thought, okay, what is, what is this squandered opportunity here? Why is every single patient that's in the hospital? Why are they not meeting with the dietitian? Why don't yeah. they have an opportunity to meet with the hospital dietitian before they leave? I mean, that's half of these people who are in there are in there because they have heart disease or some other condition that probably was, if not caused by a poor diet, was made worse by a poor diet. And they could have an opportunity to meet with someone who might actually help them not wind up in the hospital again. I don't know. Am I the first person who's asked that question? No, probably not. But sadly, I think it's insurance (laughs) reimbursement rates. 
Um, there's a lot of issues with dietitians like getting reimbursed and how much is covered under their insurance plan. And that would be an insurance nightmare. The fact that they would have to code it separately. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things wrong with our insurance and hospital systems. You can not get us started on that because Jules and I could talk for like 18 hours about what's wrong in the medical system today. However, we just know that there are incredible people out there called dietitians that are hired by hospital staffs. And somehow there is a missed opportunity, not only in consulting with patients when they arrive or consulting with the physician on if they have a specialty diet need, but also working with the commissary or the cafeteria on creating these options for specialty diets outside of religious needs or, or low sodium or what have you. Um, for for specialty diets like celiac disease or food allergies, and also in working with the commissary or cafeteria on delivering that options for people who are visiting who have to stay for 12 hours in the ICU because their parents are in there and you also have celiac disease. Like, it's just so silly. I went to visit my mom who just had surgery and they were ordering for her and she got like the grossest looking soup but she was happy with it because she is not gluten-free, but I like had to feed it to her and I put on gloves. I'm like, this stuff is gross. I don't even want to hear me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then salting crackers. That's all she had opportunities to eat. So I'm hand feeding her salting crackers with gloves on. And the nurse comes in. I'm all what's up. Like y'all don't have <laughs> safe food for me. So like I'm yeah. going to feed her with gloves on because I want to touch all this crap and bring it home. Just like, this is so stupid. And then I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, oh my God, like, please don't let me get stuck in this hospital. Yeah. So like, now do I have to look at the menus online for hospitals around me and just be like, Hey, Matt, if I ever have an emergency, please tell them to bring me to this hospital because I know that they can have my dietary requirements or like, do I need to pack a go bag of like, here's some yes. gluten-free yes, saltines you do. <laughs> just in case I have to go to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you posted about that, I got some responses back um, when I reposted your story about people who were giving birth and they had to, just like your story, had to pack food for their own hospital stay mm -hmm. that they're, I'm sure, charged an arm and a leg out of because that's how much it costs to give birth in this country, which is obscene. But, um, you know, the hospital's supposed to take care of your every right. need. And of course, right. now we're just like, no, I brought my own food. Thanks anyway. Or like after surgery, they try to feed me and I'm like, no, I'm under duress. I am on drugs. Please don't feed me gluten. I had an allergy band. I had signs all over my hospital room that like the allergy superheroes did for like kids food allergies for their hospital stays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I printed it out and I'm like, do not feed me this, especially after surgery. I walked it through with the nurse. I'm like, do not offer me these things. And I still got offered things. And thankfully I was of right mind. And I had like a tray full of food that I brought in next to me. And I survived off of like shark you know, saltine versions, but like, it's just so silly. We shouldn't have to go through all those lengths. And that's a planned hospital stay. Yeah, like, I can't I imagine emergencies. For emergencies. Like, I know. Bonkers. Well, and even, even when you like wake up after, um, you know, a colonoscopy or, you know, any other you know, kind of minor ish procedure, but you're under a form of anesthesia of any kind, they try to offer you 
something, you know, the very first thing that happens when you're in the recovery room, you know, even if you have like, you know, knee surgery or whatever. And, and the first thing they try to offer you every time is gluten filled saltines or graham crackers. They don't have another option. I've, I've had unfortunately several orthopedic type surgeries and things like that. No place I have ever been has had a gluten-free option is only been gluten filled. And, and they always lament and they're like, so sorry, we don't have anything here. We never do. We have always have all these patients and they can't have it. And the nurse, it's not the nurse's fault. Like then you guys, like, if you have this issue that it's been recognized, maybe you could bring that to the, you know, the administration and say, could you get a little something else so your people have dietary restrictions? You know, I, I had a lot of people respond when I posted it as well and told me their horror stories. I had this one poor woman say she was in the hospital for because she had been glutened and she was in the hospital for days. She was so, so, so sick. And she was convinced that she was glutened in the hospital as well. I mean, it's just such a nightmare. And, you know, you just think of these, the hospitals as like, you know, your refuge, right? Like that's where you go to to heal and recover. And if you're being poisoned in the hospital at the same time, it's it's just, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And the hospital systems, they, they have to do better. There are very few examples that I have heard of, of hospitals that are doing it right. And it really should be the opposite. It should be, there are very few examples of hospitals that are doing it wrong. Yeah. Mayo Clinic was great. But again, like I can't get in there, you know, like I can't schedule my surgery there just because I know that it's got great food. Like it's just so frustrating. Um, I have a colonoscopy obviously coming up. I've talked about it every single second of every single day because I'm just dreading having my third one. And I'm just like, I don't know if I trust this woman and her recovery team to like not offer me saltines or not offer me milk products or something weird. It's <laughs> like, you imagine? Geez, it's so disgusting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like to give you a behind the scenes peek of GIs that I'm not like super loving right now, mine asked me if I was gluten free. And I'm like, yeah, I have celiac disease. She goes, oh, so you're doing the gluten free diet. I'm like, Yes, that's that, yes, that's how celiac disease works. She's like, great. She goes, I'm just gonna test you for celiac disease antibodies. Like, maybe that's it. I'm like, well, it's not it. I'm on a strict gluten free diet, and I've been doing this for years. I kind of am like an expert, somewhat in the field. I, I don't know, wrote a book about it. She goes, well, I we'll just, just I did this thing. <laughs> yeah, I did this thing called writing a book about celiac disease, but whatever. And then um, I got the call from her her medical assistant, she goes, well, you don't have celiac disease. Your labs came back. And I'm like, that's actually not what the labs mean. The labs mean my antibodies are fine, but I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. And then in the doctor <laughs> note, she goes, patient needs to continue a gluten-free diet. I'm like, oh my God, really? Thank you so much. I didn't know that already from, I don't know, 10 plus years of doing this, being an expert, writing a book, traveling the country, talking about celiac disease. Thank you so much for putting that in my notes that I do need to continue a gluten-free diet. I appreciate it. And I'm just like, you are doing labs and colonoscopy on me. And I don't like the fact that like, you don't feel comfortable with having your medical assistant actually understand what the celiac labs mean. Please don't offer me things like saltines. Like I'm just going to straight up tell her when I go in, I'm like, Hey, I don't need to eat anything in recovery. If anything, the person that I'm with will have a snack. Just don't offer me anything. Just let me fart and be on my way. 
And like, it's just the worst. It's the worst. And they even had a red allergy alert at the last hospital stay. And they still offered me. And I'm like, oh, it looks like these allergy red alert bands are really doing things for you. And I understand that nurses have a lot to do and that doctors have a lot to do. I very much understand that. I have friends that are nurses and doctors. They are just trying to survive. But at the same time, we are also just trying to survive. So can we please get some help? We're not asking for the doctors for help. We're not asking for the nurses to help. Is there a way for hospital administrations to work with dietitians to make this easier for all of us? We know that you hire dietitians. Dietitians are great. Let them do what they do great at. They're there already. (laughs) Let them do what they do best. Yeah. Make use of the people who you already have on staff. I just want to not be more afraid of being in the, you know, the recovery room in a hospital. I'm already like concerned about like barfing. I don't want to also be concerned about like being fed something I shouldn't eat. Is that much? Is that too much to ask? Yes, it absolutely <laughs> is too much. To ask. Apparently it is. Apparently. Because our, our, you know, experiences are not unique. And yeah. And, it, and the sad thing is it hasn't changed. Like I know. I've had multiple surgeries. You've had multiple surgeries. It has not changed over the years. It's not no. like we're just talking about like, oh, in 2009, this happened. It's like, no, dude, this happened like a couple of years ago, like, even during the pandemic. It's like, come on. So yeah, it's, uh, it's super frustrating and I'm sorry for anyone going through this. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that, Jules. I'm sorry, first of all, that you deal with the emotional trauma of your dad being in the hospital and having to do last minute flights and all that. But I'm also sad that you didn't have an opportunity to really have a lot of, um, good, wholesome, nutritious, gluten-free food that we know is out there and available. It's just sadly not available when we need it and how we need it. So, yeah, well, um, yeah, I'm sure my experience was representative of most, and that's the saddest yeah, part. So if sad. this if this podcast helps get the word out, then I'm all for it. So please feel free to share this podcast with any and all people you know who might be in a position to affect change. And dietitians, if you're out there, because I know that you're listening, please tell us how we can help make this better for you. If there's something, some sort of training or some sort of organization that we need to connect with dietitians on a national, regional, or hospital level, let us know because can we please implement this system? Can we please be the change that we want to see in this world? How can we make that difference? So definitely reach out to us if you're listening and you have an idea or you know how we can make that change. 